police are after me again for a crime I don't even believe in. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't even believe in. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. The police are after me, she said, yeah, held their gun to my head. Somehow I ducked, escaped, and fled the scene. Well, they already ran my ID. Yeah, they already ran my ID. They pulled me off the train in the Portland rain. Mid-November ain't the warmest ride, and the crater ain't the best place to hide, especially when you're riding suicide. Especially when you're riding suicide. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't even believe in. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't believe in. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. So I got back on when they were gone on the flag at old gondola. Then I smoked the resin in my bunk because the police didn't find it. Woke up in a mountain range, walked to a cold, wet, lonesome pain. And then the time it came to get the fuck off the train because the police are after me again. For crime, I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. For crime, I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me again. She said the police, police are after me for being dirty. Trespassing, they hate me because I ain't clean, but I think they're the ones who are dirty. And here we go, we're recording this episode. Hello, folks, uh, welcome to the Garrett Schalke podcast. I am your host, uh, Garrett Schalke, and once again, we have a, another very special episode of the podcast. We're recording live here in Chicago at Bill's Bar and Burger. Originally, we were gonna do the Billy Goat, but well, long story short, I got kicked out of there after arguing with one of the clerks. That's something for later. We won't talk about that. Anyway, we're here in Chicago, and uh, I'm here with another favorite person of mine. He is, the, he is a writer, journalist, and cynic. <laughs> he is the author of Red 7, published by Necro Publications, In the Arms of Nightmares, and... Uh, Holy shit, I did not write down the other one. Oh, yeah, oh, those oh. two are fine, man. Oh, uh, what the fuck. Anyway. In a bazillion articles. Yep. Yep. He is uh, Robert D., everyone. Howdy. Yeah. Uh, Robert, uh, thank you again for being on, man. Thank you for having me. It's always cool to meet new people, and I especially get to talk about whatever, man. I never shut up. Yep. And uh, there's something I do particularly want to talk to you about today. What's that? Well... You, you, sir, are a native Chicagoan. You're from here. That I am. And that's, matter of fact, you're visiting right now from uh, your new home, Austin. Yeah. Yep. That's that's one what I would like to talk to you about today. Chicago. Because I am a Chicago fanboy. I've been coming here pretty steady since 2010. And uh, I would like to talk about that with you, obviously. I was born and bred here, man. I was born... Uh, probably we're downtown Chicago right now. I think I was born a mile and a half from here at Mercy Hospital. That's like seated right on the lake. And I grew up in Canaryville, which is just seven blocks south of where the White Sox play. And then I lived in Marquette Park. I went to Oak Forest. Then I went to Lockport for high school, which is outside of Joliet. Then as soon as I was on my 22nd birthday, I moved to Little Italy lived in that neighborhood and I watched the White Sox win the World Series and in that neighborhood and that was in 2005 and then I moved to Wicker Park back when Wicker <laughs> Park was crazy cheap like wow. I had a place in Wicker Park that was 
people don't even believe me. We had a three-bedroom apartment off Ashland and Division. It was a garden apartment with off-street parking, all utilities included, for twelve hundred dollars. Holy, holy shit, dude! Uh, you could never have that. And then I moved to New Orleans, and then I moved to Austin. Well, uh, I guess we nearly blew through about three questions that I've had. Well, no, I mean it's it's fun when you talk about Chicago because like the Chicago pedigree <laughs> of things, but you always have to list off all the places. Yeah. So well, let's just start right at the very beginning, man. Uh, okay, you said that you grew up, uh, what, which neighborhood? Canaryville. Yeah, uh, what, what was the atmosphere like for you growing up there? Chicago's a really working, I mean, Canaryville's a very working class Irish uh, neighborhood. Everybody's grandparents are from Ireland there. So it's extraordinarily still a very, very Irish neighborhood. Like, it, Are you Irish? Yeah, I'm 100% Irish. My great-grandparents are all from Ireland. Half. Half Irish, half German, throw in a bunch of Polish in there. Yeah, for me. Shulky. That's a. <laughs> sounds like a fine uh, English last name. <laughs> oh no, it's the kind of last name where uh, I can do a stupid Nazi joke about it. <laughs> like, you know, my great grandfather was here. Then yeah, do something like that. Yeah, no, our everybody's great grandparents or grandparents are from Ireland. In uh, Canaryville, so like everybody's crazy. I, I like St. Patrick's Day is just as big a deal as Christmas. So everybody's houses are decked out with shamrocks and green and everything. And so it's just a working class. Everybody's like bricklayers, pipe fitters, cops, firefighters. Like 100% a working class neighborhood. And uh, how about uh, your family? Uh, are they in any particular pr- profession? Uh, my mom has just always done uh, EA work, like executive assistant. Like if you're like some like rich, powerful person, she's the brains behind the operation. She's always can plan anything. She can find anything that you're looking for. Cause she helps like super rich, powerful people like do their jobs. She's like the number one. And my old man is uh, worked at Chicago Metallic my whole life, so he's been at the same spot loading trucks for like Jesus almost 40 years so he's been there a long time uh, still going out yeah he's just waiting to retire he doesn't he's he's just waiting to retire he's over it yeah my dad's on the verge of retirement as well he's uh, 61 and he works at uh, the cement plant in my hometown which yeah. is the big employer around there Wallen Tower Hospital yeah I worked there for two summers sounds like yeah I I don't ever want to do this I think I'd rather be a bohemian writer sure <laughs> yeah. it was weird when I like being from the south side is like when you tell people that you're like I was like I'm gonna be a writer and they're like what the fuck is a writer like what are you gonna do like what does how does a writer make money like the idea of getting paid to write I mean you gotta where I came from a working class place where guys fix cars and pour cement and build buildings like Writing and reading wasn't exactly, you so, know, their MO. So was this the neighborhood where you decided or got interested in writing? No, um, I went to high school. Well, I'd always done really well in school, and I hit a wall. This is a long, drawn-out answer, but it kind of all impacts each other. Um, I always did well in school, and then I hit a wall in third grade. I was doing A-plus work, and then in third grade, they were like, why did you just drop off? Because I have no cognitive skills with net math. Like, I have something called dyscalculia, and I don't know what 6 times 7 is. I have no idea what it is. And my time, uh, 
numbers, all of that shit doesn't make sense to me. But um, I overcompensated somehow because I was really good at English and good at writing when I was a kid. And so I was reading uh, Stephen King books when I was in third grade. And I was set the, the school um, record for how many book reports you could do in a year. And so I did that, and then I, that had to give me the interest in reading and stuff like that. But then in 94, when I saw Pulp Fiction, I was 13, and I saw that, like, in the theaters, I saw Pulp Fiction, The Crow, Akira, Mallrats, Clerks, nice. like, all Akira. that. Like, that summer, like, Vampire Hunter D. And so, like, seeing all these movies in, like, one transformative summer, like, we were into punk rock and metal, and grunge was in full bloom. And so, like, that was a transformative summer of, like, kind of who you are. And seeing Pulp Fiction kind of change everything, because up to that point, like, I had seen all those movies, but that's, like, movies to me were Terminator and Star Wars, but seeing Pulp Fiction was like, holy shit, somebody's First doing... time seeing Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, and we saw Reservoir Dogs that summer, too, but Pulp Fiction just changed everything for me, how I perceived movies and how art could be, and so I kept that seat in there, and by the time I was in high school... I kind of had this idea in my head, because I was already playing in hardcore bands and stuff, but I had this oh. idea in my head. That, that is one question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, yeah, when you were growing up, you, talk, you just talked about it just now. Yeah, uh, what, scene, what scenes were you part of? Like, like music, literary? No, it was all music. Like, all music. Um, all punk rock, hardcore, and uh, metal kids. Like, when I was in high school, it was weird, because... Well, when I was lived in Oak Forest, all the metal kids and everybody like punk kind of gravitated to each other. But then when I got into high school, my high school was so big. There was like 700 kids that went to my high school for my class. And everybody who liked, if you were industrial, punk, metal, uh, like new wave, anything, we all gravitated to each other. So there wasn't these like sub clicks. There's just one, everybody who liked outsider culture, artists, bohemian kids everybody is in one kind of small universe and we all did that and so we were so insular to everything that you know like who was popular we didn't give a fuck we all we cared about was what our crews were doing and we were all playing in bands and then we were playing hooking up with the kids from other schools and playing shows with them that's what all we cared about was playing shows and stuff and everything else came second okay uh were you still in the neighborhood you grew up in at this time? No, that was in high school. That was out in the suburbs. My parents bought a house. We call it the Chicago Choice, where when you're a parent, if you live in the city, you can either buy a house out in the suburbs and your kids go to the good schools for free, or you can have a decent house in the city and pay it through an arm and a leg to let your kids go to like a private school. Because depending on what part of town, I grew up on the south side, so the public high schools aren't the best. And so they wanted more room and everything else. We ended up, I, I lived in this suburb called Lockport for like six years. And I went to high school there. And that's where I met all, all my best friends. They're still my best friends today. All right. So, uh, okay. Okay, you grew up. You engaged in the punk rock, hardcore, and metal scenes. Okay, uh, where does uh, writing come into this? Like, Well, when I was in like that high school, I was reading a lot and I was... Hardcore kind of taught me about politics, and it taught me, because the, the politics is ingrained in the music, and that taught me more about, because, of, like, where I grew up isn't exactly, like, the most, like, thought-provoking place. It's more like, it's a hard-working community. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, 
what I was getting into, like wanting to read the newspaper to read my like Studs Terkel's columns, like Irv Cups in it, and reading these old Tribune and sometimes articles. I was doing something I guess different than the people around me and listening to the hardcore taught me about like respecting other people's religions and like vegetarianism and social justice and stuff. So I was going that way. And then as I was reading those books and reading all these different things throughout the years through music that you people were into. This? Oh. I had the impossible oh. burger. Yeah. Yeah, I always had this one. Thank you. All right, come on. Um, thanks, dude. I, uh... Sorry for the interruption, folks. Our food just came. Um, and it's totally not the Chicago food you've been devouring this no, entire weekend. thank God. I needed a break. Um... Yeah, it sounds like you've been going pretty hard this weekend, too, by the way. It's never... When I'm coming to town, it's never, uh... Quiet. I'm busy the whole time. It's not a vacation for me. It's like... When I leave here, I'm going to go to my mom's house, and I'm going to see my brothers, and I'm going to see my niece. And yeah. All your family still lives here? Yeah. Everybody still lives here. Well, very quickly, I guess, let's just detour. You saw the Misfits last night. Yes, sir, I did. How was that? It was amazing. That was exactly what I always wanted. Okay. Thank you. I've been a diehard Misfits fan since I was about 10 years old, and to get to see them do it with Danzig was... Oh, Danzig was the... Oh, yeah. This was the one show that they're going to play. That they, they just announced that they're uh, playing in L.A., but they're only doing, like, one show a year. And uh, we planned this over a year ago. I was here in June, and then in July they announced that they were doing the Chicago show, and I told my wife that this was my... Christmas gift if she was cool and she was cool. My wife has been very gracious with letting me come and do this thing that childhood me. Like, I cried. I'm so happy. Yeah. Have Have you uh, been paying attention to Dan Sig's Facebook presence at all lately? No. I know he's doing a movie, right? Well, no, it's not that. You see, um, seriously, look this look this up later. But uh, someone created a fake Dan Sig account and um. And, well, pretty much put a bunch of stuff like him in a Rasta hat, <laughs> talked about how much he goes smoking weed, they photoshopped him with Guy Fieri in there. That's amazing. And Man. just really explicit stuff, and it's hilarious. Just check it out. That's funny. Yeah. <sighs> okay, uh, back to it. All right, and uh, you, you already named off all the neighborhoods. Pretty fast there. Like in total, how many areas of Chicago have did you live in before you moved away? Okay. One, two, six. <laughs> and uh, they're all predominantly minus Wicker Park was all on the south side. And uh, how all of them? Which one would you say is your favorite? Old Wicker Park. Now that's a very good transition. Let's get into Wicker Park, in fact, because uh, that's a place that uh, one of my favorite places in Chicago that I visit. Along, oh, thank you. Yeah, Along with uh, well, actually, my top so far is Lincoln Park because I stay there all the time. I stayed there this weekend at the Chicago Getaway Hostel. You know, I also like Lakeview slash Wrigleyville, Boys Town. Shudder. Shudder? 
Uh, is this a reference I'm not getting? No, I never liked those neighborhoods. Ouch. I get the appeal, man. I'm just, I'm from here. You know, like, yeah. Lakeville used to be so cool when we were kids. When we were kids in the 90s, we would come up to Lakeview because it had the alley, it had Dunkin' Donuts, which was the uh, Dunkin' Donuts on the corner of uh, Clark and, uh, what is it? Um, Clark and Belmont. Clark and Belmont. Yep. And they'd throw, that used to be there, and then Estelle's, well, not Estelle's, the, uh, the place to go get, like, vegan food was right there, and it was a really cool neighborhood with, like, the only thing there now is Metro, and Metro will be gone soon. We'll figure out some way to turn it into a fucking Cubs bar or something, and but back in the day, that place was, like, Lakeview was awesome, <laughs> and it had all these, like, art studios, and it had all these, like, affordable housing, and it was such a cool, neighbor, like, vibrant neighborhood, and now I go up there, and I'm like, ugh, it's just, it's not the same, and, like, Wicker Park, when I lived in Wicker Park, it was all these, uh, like... Yeah, when did you live in Wicker Park, like, for the years? Uh, I think I moved to Wicker Park in 2004, 2005. So it was a long time ago. Um, when I lived in Wicker Park, it was cheap. There were all kinds of like artist communities. Kanye West lived in Wicker Park when I lived in Wicker Park. The cool kids, really? Yeah, well, everybody. It was the it was the artistic neighborhood that was cheap and up and coming back then. Uh, so did you ever see Kanye? Probably. We used to go to. We used to go to these like. Parties. Um, we go to this bar, Tumans, that I went to the other day, yesterday. Tumans in Ukrainian Village, and Matt Rowan would DJ, and it was like all punk rock kids, but having like a dance party in a bar. It was wild, and it was like so cheap, and it was fun, but you could never do that now. It was like breaking every fire code possible, packing it out with people, just dancing. Like he'd be in the middle of playing like R. Kelly's remix to Ignition at like two o'clock in the morning, and then drop. Uh, 10 minutes to downtown by the get-up kids and everybody was losing their mind. Oh, and, nice. But we would go to these parties, like, they would do that. And then, like, Flostradamus had just started. The cool kids had just started. Um, like, Kanye was just becoming... Like, he wasn't even Kanye yet. He barely even had a record out. And, this was before the college dropout. He yeah. Yeah, he was still here. He wasn't even in New York yet. And all these different things... And uh, all these people lived here, and it was cool. But that Wicker Park era was fun, and now it's just it's different, you know. Not that it's bad; it's just it's not what it was. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I was lucky enough to uh, attend the Double Door when it was still there, and I followed the drama until it eventually got shut down. Now, now I think it's relocating somewhere up north, but. Which, yeah, I'm glad it's still going to be around, but it's not the same. Nothing is ever the same when they move. Like, they moved uh, Belmont Army Surplus. used to be on Belmont Army Surplus. And now it's over in Wicker Park, which is cool, and they got that building. But the exact same thing that happened in Mount Belmont is going to happen over there. Is there anything about Chicago now that you do like? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not being condescending in either. No, I'm. I'm sincerely curious because, like I said, I'm a fanboy. Been going here since 2010, and 
I love the place, and I, to and I to totally believe you when you talk about how different it was. But I guess it's hard for me to connect me an outsider. All things change, man. Like, all cities move, and if you're not evolving, you're dying. And I love Chicago, and I'm proud to be from here. There's a, the best people, they're really warm. They can't, we can be assholes, but for the most part... Oh, I know. I just talked to an asshole a few minutes ago at yeah. the Billy Goat. I mean, they can be a little asshole-ish, um, but for the most part, Chicago's a great place. I mean, the weather sucks, but... Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's supposed to be spring here in the Midwest, but uh, yesterday, wow, uh, rain, snow, then it turned to sleet. Wow. And today's beautiful. Go figure. Um, you fool. You thought it would be spring, but it's still winter. I, uh, no, I love Chicago. I love the White Sox. I love talking about the White Sox. Um, yeah, you actually were talking about the White Sox on our program this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. I was on Mario Smith's show on uh, Lumpin' Radio. Boy, uh, what a downgrade, huh? First you were on an actual radio show. Now you're on a podcast with some guy from Michigan. No. I love, I'll do anything, man. I like talking to people, and I like you know, connecting on stuff. I think talking is fun. Same here, brother. But there's a lot to love about Chicago. It's a great place. There's, It's an extraordinarily well-rounded city, and I'm proud to be from here. I just wouldn't live here anymore. You know, let's get to that. When uh, did you leave Chicago? 2007? Yeah. Yeah, why did you move? Any particular reason? Um, I left Chicago because... I was getting really serious about writing, and at that point, I got out of journalism school in 2003, and this is pre-internet boom, and so no, we didn't have the things we have now. Like, you had to either work for an advertising agency, forget trying to get in the Trib or the Sun Times. Like, I that was my that was my high watermark was to work for the Sun Times. That was to today. I literally was walking past Tribune Tower and go one day I'm going to get in this paper. And it's always been that, like, watermark. Some of the writers that I grew up reading that I loved were in those papers. Like, I'm a gigantic Mike Royko fan. And Studs Turkle, uh, Cup. I like Jay Mariotti when he was here. And Jay Mariotti's a piece of shit, but I liked him when he was here. And Wait, uh, okay, I recognize the first two, but uh, who's this guy? Jay Mariotti? Jay Mariotti is... Uh, he had the back page of the Sun-Times, and he had, like, a lot of hot takes on kind of what was happening in sports, and Chicago sports predominantly, oh, okay. and he was great. I mean, I can't remember what he did to get kicked out of Chicago, because I was already gone, but um, he got kicked out, and he had, like, a cherry gig. He had the back page of the Sun-Times. First sports section was his, and uh, I don't know, I remember how he fucked it up, but I liked Mariotti, but for me, the watermark was always working at one of the two big ones, but it was took, I've, I'm a Sun-Times guy, so that's what I would prefer, preferred, but now I would, gla I would be, it would be an honor to be in either of them. Oh yeah, I, uh, I, will, I used to be a journalist, and the main reason I quit simply because I couldn't get a job anywhere. I tried, and after a while it's like, you know what, fuck this, I'm just going to work this job I'm doing now and concentrate on my writing. Yeah, it's, to me... I was so obsessed with writing, and I was, like, losing my faith in Chicago to get a job because no doors were opening. I was getting really pissed off that 
I couldn't get anywhere, and all I wanted to do was write. And so I was working at the Chicago Board of Trade. Oh, really? I, just, I worked there, and yeah, I've seen all kinds of like all that Wolf of Wall Street type shit. Totally true. I've seen all of it. Uh, I took part in the Occupy movement, including here in Chicago. So yeah, we were uh, so yeah, we were camped out in front of the Board of Trade. Yeah, that was wrong. Yeah. So anyway, uh, all right. So uh, when, so you left uh, Chicago in two thousand seven. Yeah, two thousand seven. I moved to New Orleans. Yeah, actually, um, I usually do this at the beginning of every show. I talk about how I first met someone or got into them, and that's how I got into you. Is because um, I listened to a podcast called the JPO Show. Yeah. By fellow writer J. J. David Osborne, Paula. Yeah, uh, I remember you talking a little bit about New Orleans. Yeah, JDO's a good dude. Yeah, he's, um, he's a cool guy. I gotta get back. I gotta start marathoning his podcast again. Yeah, you should come down to Texas. He lives in El Paso, and I live in Austin. There's a bunch of dudes in, uh, there's a lot of great writers down in Texas. There's like Max Boots down there, um, JDO's down there. Gabino. Uh, Gabino's there. I'm Andrew actually, Gilbert there. He's actually going to be at a StokerCon yeah. in two weeks in Grand Rapids, where I'm from. So I'm going to hopefully meet him, Brian Keane, yeah. a few others. Brian Keane's cool. I know him. Nice. Um, anyway, he'll be uh, in town for KillerCon here uh, soon. And uh, I'll see all those dudes. I see Gabino and Max. And um, Andrew Hilbert, Kelby Losack, and John Wayne Cominale. I see all those guys pretty regularly. Kelby and uh, John Wayne are down in Houston. And so we kind of always hook up with each other when we do readings. We always look out for one another. Um, but Wow, no, I have to say I'm impressed. You really devoured your meat. I was hungry. I was out drinking like all night. So I was just starving. Yeah, I got like half my burger here. Um Anyway, uh, New Orleans, all right. I moved there. We were going to New Orleans a lot. Me and my best friend were, like, there all the time. And we were going, like, four times, six times. Because everybody I had ever looked up to did time in New Orleans. He's like, Bukowski was there. Burroughs was there. Faulkner was there. Uh, who else was down there? Um, Tennessee Williams. All these, like, all the beat guys. Kerouac was there for a little bit. And I loved the beat generation. So, growing up on them... And then going to New Orleans with no money when we were, like, in our young, early 20s and figuring it out, we just kind of just kept going. And then, we, then one day I got laid off and I was like, yeah, I'm moving to New Orleans. Fuck this. And we, uh, we just kind of made it happen. We didn't have any money. But we just did it. I was like, I'm going to write for a living and I'm just going to figure this out. I had 300 bucks. My parents were super supportive. I'd already, like, put a deposit down on to, like, get a place. I paid for that deposit, and then I had 300 bucks and all my stuff in my car, and I left. And I was like, I'm going to come out of this a professional writer. Whatever I do, I will just take shit jobs, and I will figure this thing out. And so for five and a half years, I lived there, and I wrote for, I learned how to copyright there, which is my, my day job, is I'm a copywriter, and like, I write for a living. Where, huh? where, warehouse clerk, my yeah. day job. It is what it is, man. It's an honest buck. I guess so. <laughs> you know? I just, I learned to copyright. And I learned, and I made all my mistakes because none of the newspapers pay you, so they'll let you write for anything. So I wrote for Offbeat, uh, what was I write for? Offbeat, uh, 
Where You At, um, Gambit, all those kind of things. I got pieces in them. And so by getting in all these places, it kind of helped me kept getting experience. And I ended up being the uh, head writer of the Quarter At, which was a service industry magazine. And all these experience things and people saying yes, you know, gives you... It gives you the bravado to keep going because people are saying yes to you. It makes you want to get better. And so I was working on Bourbon Street, like, but I was still writing and like doing stuff. So uh, isn't that the famous street where they have like the big Mardi Gras parades? Um, not on it, but it's like Mardi Gras is on. Like if the parades aren't on it, but the people are celebrating on Bourbon. Yes. Okay. All right. So, All right. So to keep to keep this with Chicago. Uh, how would you compare the two, having having grew up in grew up here, Chicago, then moved to New Orleans? Like, how would you compare the two? I wouldn't compare the two at all. I mean, they're like good people in both places, good food, but beyond food and people, they're nothing alike. Chicago people have a like people who are from here, not transplants, but people who are from here have like a very very like strong working mentality. Like, a good hard day's work in Chicago, like, a handshake agreement is a handshake agreement in this town. Like, if I give you my word, your word is your wizard, is what you're worth here. Uh, I kind of I didn't notice that when you uh, messaged me yesterday. You know, like, hey, I just want to keep you updated. Yeah. You know, like, people leaving. Which I very much appreciate. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to fuck around and, like, waste people's time. Like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And if I can't do it, I will at least let you know through the loop that I'm doing it to... But that was being raised here. I'm respectful of people's time. I know I don't try to be late for shit. And if I'm late, you're going to know why I'm late. I'm going to tell you 30 minutes before I have to be there that I'm running late. And not like, that's just the shit that like you're ingrained with here. And like, if you have a, it's like, hey man, we have an agreement. Here's a handshake. Let's have a beer. That's as good as that shit on paper. Because to hear currency means if you walk into a bar and everybody knows that you're a good dude. And if you don't got a buck in your pocket, that bar is going to buy you some drinks. Because everybody, you're you're a good dude. That's how the neighborhood bar works around here. You know, we don't. Nobody wants to be known as that piece of shit. It's just, it's not how this city works, especially on the south side. Now, like, but I said for like transplants and stuff, it's a little different. But like when you're from here, that's that's how that shit goes. And in New Orleans, people are great, but people are also hiding from things there. Like if you're from New Orleans, there's a lot of things that potentially. You have a very, like, up-and-down sense of morality. They party really fucking hard. They drink a lot. And they're lazy. They're la- they are lazy people. They're not... <laughs> I love them. I, some of my best friends in the world, one of my, my dudes from New Orleans is sitting at the bar right now. And it's, uh, it's I did, a place. I did, I did invite them on here, but uh, I guess maybe it's a good thing they hear that one. No, and he'll tell you the same thing. It's just the work ethic isn't the same. It's just, it's not the same. They're, they're about partying and hanging out. Versus Chicago's like, do you put your nose down to the grindstone and just keep going? Like, it's just, it's a different mentality. Like, New Orleans people are fantastic. It's just, working isn't a priority to them. They're just like, it's how can we get rent paid and have a good have a good time. Uh, was this like a culture shock to you? Or did you like just... No, I mean, time? there was like a little bit of ex- expectancy in the sense that I'd spent a lot of time there. But then once I got there and was like actually in it, you got tired of, like, the sewer systems don't work. Nothing's done right. Like, when you see, like, electrical in a building, it's never done right. Yeah, and it's, like, just half-ass slapped together. And Were you uh, living there when Katrina hit? I got there after Katrina, but I was in New Orleans six months after Katrina. 
So, and it was like, I remember we went to a show at Bank Street Bar, and we, like, watched a punk band play with, on, like, with generators, and they were selling uh, beers out of the cooler with flashlights. So, that was fun. This is everybody, you can't keep them down, man. Uh, yeah, when did you uh, leave New Orleans? I left New Orleans in 2013. Uh, any reason for that? Yeah, um... It's kind of like twofold. One, my wife, we had our first son, Jackson, and we didn't want to raise him there just because, like, school suck. Um, it's just she was from Austin, and Austin was just an easier move in the sense of better school, safer, and there's a lot to do for kids. And if for an adult, it's a very enriching environment. There's, if, you can, if you go to Austin and you go, I can't find anything to do, you fucked up. There is a million. There's more to do in Austin than there is in Chicago. And really? Oh, it's insane. It's insane. Bold claims, sir. Yeah, it's insane. It's okay. Uh, you can't even keep up with how much stuff is there. Yeah. But I'd hit a ceiling in New Orleans where I was getting published on places outside of the city. I knew how to copyright. Um, the books were like one of my books was out, and I just I needed a change in the sense that like I'd hit I plateaued in New Orleans. I couldn't do anything more than I did, okay. and. All right, uh, very quickly, when you uh, left, was there still, like, phys- was there, like, any visible damage from Katrina still that was When still- I left? Yeah. Uh, in some spots. Some spots? Some spots, sure. Because I know that from mostly paying attention, walking, watching documentaries, all that stuff, it's it's obviously, like, every place else, you know, the poor, lower-income neighborhoods. Oh, wow. Neighborhoods of color, you know, they're, they get fucked over all these things. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, the city banded together really well. I mean, there's, like, out New Orleans East, there's plenty of damage still out there, but, like, New Orleans proper. So the city's kind of broken into, there's New Orleans and New Orleans East. New Orleans East, like, I have been to, like, three times. Like, it's just a part, it's like a whole different universe. Like, I don't really know, even know much about New Orleans. They're almost like two, two different cities. But the East, I that still got some damage. But New Orleans proper, everybody kind of put their banded together and like tried to remake it the best they could. All right. Well, let's get on to Austin. Then. You already pointed out one thing, but how would you compare Austin to Chicago? Um, they're not really anything alike, to be honest with you. If they're very different places, Austin is very outdoorsy. Um, it's, it's super laid back. Again, it's not like Chicago is a very like driven working class city, and Austin's not. I mean, Austin's just super laid back. It's like do your job, do your best, get the job done. But you know, definitely have a beer in the sunshine when you're done with it. Yeah. That is one difference. Uh, the weather. Oh my God. Yeah, you straight up said in a Facebook post. You know, I don't know how people can live here. <laughs> I just, I, I am not equipped for winter, especially after 11 years of not living in it. And I'm I, I'm perfectly happy. My put out some cargo camo shorts, flip flops, and a black T-shirt, and that's my summer uniform. And I'm good with that. Huh. All right, guys. Anything else for today? Um. No, I think we're good. Uh, are you? No, I'm fine. All right. That when you're ready. All right. Thanks, Mark. Um. No, Austin's great though. It's like if you want music, if you like punk rock, if you like country music, if you like metal, like blues. Rockabilly, we have it all, and the music—that's all the music I like. So you know, if you like motorcycles and guitar shops and 
places to buy records. We have all that. And food's insane. I can go get... When I go to a show, the thing that's cool about Austin is you can go get, like, a tall boy at a show for two fifty still. You can get, nice. You can get, uh, you can get a, a couple of tacos at a truck for, like, two tacos and a drink is, like, $7. You know, like, you, it's still... The, the biggest problem about Austin is their housing. You know, there's, there's a lot of people want to live there, so housing pr- like prices have gone up. Same, same here in Chicago, dude. Yeah. That's... One reason, because I would love to live here. I really have. I really would. And I've job searched. I've tried to find housemates. I've even, like, scoped out neighborhoods I would want to live in. None of them are within Chicago proper. No way. I you could find places. Them. You could live in, like, Bridgeport. You can still get places around there. That's Actually, that's a good point. That's probably the closest I'd term I could. Yeah, probably could. in Chicago is Bridgeport. You could live in Bridgeport. You could probably find something in yeah. Humboldt Park. It just depends on what part of town you want to live in, what you need. But you could definitely find something in Bridgeport. I know, but but with the way I know the CTA now, I'm pretty familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And of course, with like Ubers and Lyfts and that, I'm more com- I would be more comfortable now living a little ways out. Yeah. And, you know, it's not. Plus, I guess being older. You know, in my 30s now, compared to my 20s, where it's like, oh, I want to be right line. there, in the middle of action. Oh, I, I don't know how that Chica- is. Chicago, motherfucker. Now it's like, uh, I can relax a little bit. If I still lived here, I would live in Bridgeport, or I'd be living in, like, near Brookfield Zoo, like, around there. And that's probably where I'd be at Forest Park, you know. Oh, that's another place I was good. That's another place I looked into. Forest Park? Yep. I actually, uh... First learned about that because I visited the graves of uh, Emma Goldman, mm-hmm. the Haymarket Martyrs. Yeah. Yep. That's how that's that's how that place got my attention. Uh, along with like Melrose Park, Stone mm-hmm. Park, all those parks yeah. out, out near O'Hare. Yeah, there's lots of parks and there's. Uh, they all look the same. Yeah, that they do. <laughs> that the Evergreen Park down by me. That's there's a lot of those. Okay, well, okay, I've asked you about the comparisons. How about we just do a ranking? Sure. From like, one to three, how would you rank, well, how would you rank Chicago, New Orleans, Austin? Like, if you had to rank them based on just your favorite to least favorites. Oh, man. That's hard. The hard-hitting questions here on the Garrett Shelton podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's hard because they all have, they all have such different things that um, I can't I, I, I physically like, that's really hard because they each have very special places to me for different things like my career would not be my career the, the most important choice I made my entire life was to move to New Orleans that defined my entire life like everything that I do who I am today is because I moved to New Orleans so but there's things around New Orleans that drive me fucking crazy so in Austin if I didn't uh, move to Austin, I wouldn't have my career now either. It's like an evolution. Like, I couldn't have got there because I'd done so much in New Orleans. So it's hard, you know? Hard. And here is where it, this is where it all started. Yeah. All right, so how long have you been in Austin, then? It'll be six years on Halloween. All right. Still think you're going to be there for some time? Yeah, I, my wife's never leaving. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good reason to stay, though. No, man, it was like, she's never leaving, and she's a proud, proud Texan. 
she loves her state. She loves living in the area. We're 45 minutes from her mom. And you know what? Like, I everything I need is there. Like, she's, I don't... She's been to Chicago, right? Yeah, she's, we've been together so, eight years. How's she like it? She likes it in the summer. She hates it in this weather. Uh, she does not do well in anything other than, like, above 70. She hates cold weather. She uh, definitely likes Chicago. It's just the weather's got to be good. When it's, when it's nice, she's all in, but what she was seeing yesterday, she's sending me photos of my kids, and it's like 85 and sunny, and I'm covered in snow, I'm like running through sleet, so yeah, she's she's cool with Chicago. Alright, well, I guess, uh, what's the word, hypothetical I think it is, mm-hmm. yeah, if you, if you, if you wanted or could or had to, could you move back to Chicago? Could I be a snowbird, or would I have to live here full-time? Live here full-time, work, write. Yeah, full-time. I could. It would just it would have to be, like, a payday, and I'd have to be making, like, sick money to justify it. Um, but, I mean, I could. I could fall back into the patterns. Like, as soon as I got back, like, I started driving back around, and it immediately comes right back, like, knowing everything of, like, where to go and where to park where to go get food, and it just, like, yeah, there's a ton of stuff that I don't know, because I've been gone for a long time, but the stuff you know, it doesn't go away, so I still parallel park, I can still, you know, get into places and stuff, it would come right back to me, it's more or less just... Think you could handle dips? Oh, yeah, I was, dude, (laughs) one time, uh... I love bringing up dips to uh, Neo Chicago. I had a spot out in front of my house in Wicker Park, and I had to, I fucking cleared this thing out. I'm a strong believer in dips. Chicago tradition. Fuck that. I don't care if it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but I said, I had two orange parking cones that I kept in my trunk, and I cleared a spot out right in front of our house, put the parking cones there, and then. I was out getting groceries. I was out by my mom or mom's or something like that, and I came home and somebody had thrown my parking cones on the uh, classy on the sidewalk and took my spot. I went into my house. I parked my car, and it was crazy fucking snow. I went into my house. I wrote this letter. I was like, you fucking scumbag piece of shit. I hope you fucking die. Like I put like a whole letter. And I stuck it right. And I mean, it's like not cool. And then I pissed all over their door handles. I was all there. We go. That's I, what I was waiting for. I had pissed all over their door handles. And I was like, you motherfucking piece of shit. Okay, because I, I told you earlier, I uh, come to Chicago now through. Uh, I park in Michigan City, Indiana. And I take the South Shore line. Yeah, it's a great setup. I love it. Yeah. But before I used to drive and and mention Bridgeport, I have a friend there that I visit twice. We will. We went twice to attend a critical mass, you know, that big, big bike event that mm-hmm. goes around country. Yeah, and afterwards, even after he moved out and we had our falling out, I would still park at Bridgeport because uh, it's pretty much the only place I knew in Chicago that I could park without a permit or anything. Yeah. But I was still, that's the one thing that I was still worried about, even the winters, like the whole dips thing. Because I didn't want to come back and find, like, my windshield smashed or something. Yeah, I was pissed. So pissed, man. So, how did he respond? Well, he didn't respond, but I was like, you fucking piece of shit. Ever parked there again? I don't know. But I, that was the only time I ever had that problem with the dibs thing. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's let's talk about Chicago traditions. We talk about dibs, and when, uh, when we were setting up this interview, you are like, oh, I'm near the Sears Tower. 
So, what is it to you? Sears or Willis Tower? Sears Tower. 100%. I'll never call Willis Tower. I'll, like, never. Uh, I wouldn't I would call it Willis Tower because it's Sears, but whenever I think Willis Tower, I think Wesley Willis. Yeah. Man, I, With, I saw Wesley Willis. Oh, d- dude, tell me. I saw How him. Was that? He used to play at uh, Fireside. We grew up going to Fireside Bowl, which was our CBGBs back in the day. And it's still there. It's on Fullerton. I was in the bar across the street, Bob Inn, last night. Oh. We used to go to Fireside all the time, and he'd play. It was Wesley Willis and the Imposters or whatever was his band. The Wesley Willis Experience, that was what it was. And uh, we'd go up to him, and you'd see him at shows, and he was selling his artwork and stuff. And he'd grab you, and he'd go, he'd, he'd grab you real hard, just a big dude. And he'd grab you real close, and like, let me hear you say rock. And you'd be like, rock. And he'd say, let me hear you say roll. And you'd have to, like, rock. And, like, he's, like, headbutting you. Yeah, 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 he had, like, that bump because he just head bumped people so yeah. much. Yeah, he'd, you'd have to, and he'd, like, literally grab you with, like, bear hug, and he'd be like, let me say rock, and he'd have to be like, rock, and he'd be like, let me say roll, and he'd do it, and then he'd let you go, and say, all right, and then, yeah. like, all that stuff, and he would sell his artwork at all the punk shows, and uh, he'd play some of them, and he'd be like, play a Kurt Cobain is dead, <laughs> like, and he had the band, I've seen him do it with just the keyboard and with the band. Yeah, I, I listened to his album that Alternative Tentacles put out, and mm-hmm. it's literally the same oh, yeah. beat, you know, which when I listened to it, I thought, like, wow, really? The Nirvana. same thing the whole time? Nirvana is a great band. They were cool. I hope you would like them. In 1994, they released Nevermind. Kurt Cobain was a famous uh, singer. And then, Kurt Cobain is dead. Uh, I heard, I heard, of course, you know, Rock and Roll McDonald's. Yeah. I think it was from the documentary Super Size Me I first heard. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Probably. And, of course, mine were, the, the ones I obviously like are him being a whatever superhero that's, like, make out with his girlfriend, or saying whatever disgusting stuff to ward off the demons in his head. Yeah, he was an interesting cat. Uh, there's actually a tribute album for Wesley Wills, and it's all serious, too. That's funny. Including, um... Someone behind us, so I'll whisper a little bit. Someone did a serious cover of Suck a Cheetah's Dick. That blew my mind when I listened to that. I'm like, I haven't even thought about Wesley Willis in a while. He was, he was fun. That was a cool time. Yeah, the best interview I heard, uh, Gel Biafra, we was being interviewed by Nardwar. Nardwar always has his best interview with Gel Biafra. Nardwar asked about Wesley Willis. He said, you know what? If Wesley Willis was still alive when Obama was elected, I'll tell you what he'd be doing. He would be at the very back of the celebration rally, screaming his lungs out. Screaming, Obama is president. We have a black man in the office. He's going to rock Saddam all the way back to Russia. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. I definitely remember that. Wesley Willis was fun. There's there's a couple of things like that. I'm like, again, it's... Dude, that's the, awesome. Having been grow up here, like, to go to shows in the 80s, not the 80s, the 90s and the uh, early 2000s, there was so much good stuff here. So much good stuff. It was all... Okay. Okay, one more, one, two last things for cultural stuff with Chicago. Um, uh, ketchup on hot dogs, yay or nay? No. No? No, that's... No. Taking you've been to the Wiener Circle. I've been to the Wiener, yeah. Like, I don't get over there much, but 
I've been I, over there for sure. I had a friend that used to live across the street back when it was affordable to live over there. Uh, I've been there once, and um, yeah, you think the guy from the Billy Go Tavern was a dickhead? Yeah, that whole thing is just—I get it. It's the shtick, and yeah. the food is good, but like, I don't know, man. I'm not—I'm just trying to get a hot dog. I ain't trying to get yelled at when I can get a good hot dog anywhere around town. Yeah, it's the ketchup on the hot dog thing. Yeah, I don't. I mean, how you eat if you want to eat it like a five-year-old, that's fine. But <laughs> do I would I put it on a hot dog? No, I I prefer mine with all the shit on there. Yeah. I'm I'm like Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm a chili dog guy. I like chili dogs, chili cheese. Have you ever had a mother-in-law? Uh, which one's that? Oh, let's check it out. You ever go to like a Southside place? Ask for a mother-in-law. What it is is it's a uh, um, hot dog bun. And then they take a tom tom tamale and they put it in there and they cover it with chili and cheese and eat it with a fork. Wow, that that sir is a different world. Yeah, go to like a uh, if you're ever in Bridgeport, you go to a hot dog place, ask for a mother-in-law. Nice. And uh, they ain't gonna know it up here, but you go on the south side and you ask for it, they know what the fuck that is. All right, final cultural question. We talked about a little bit about the suburbs. Uh, people that live in so in the suburbs. Bigger Chicagoland, I guess. Uh-huh. Are they real Chicagoans? They're not real Chicagoans, no. I mean, they're not in the city, but... Okay. So that's that's another great online debate I usually see. Mostly on, like, some weird Chicago website, like Wildest Videos or Cop Watches or something. Mm-hmm. Someone like, either make a really sincere comment or they'll make a really troll, rude comment. There'll always be one person be like, Bitch you're, bitch, you're from this suburb. You're not really Chicago. Shut no. the fuck up. No, it's the thing about, like, the suburbs versus the city is, yes, the suburbs are a part of the greater Chicagoland area, and does their, um, does their culture matter? Yeah, it does, but it's not the city. It's totally different, right? right? So, so the suburbs are, like, so bland and white and not diverse and every time black people move there they just keep moving further west and it's this I just got no love for the suburbs they they serve their purpose for what they are to some people but if I lived here there is zero chance I would live in the suburbs so so let's say like a year from now I do move here to Chicago and I message you like hey Rob great news I moved to Melrose Park I'm a Chicagoan now yeah, no. how would you respond you're a Melrose Parkian. Oh, there you go. You're <laughs> <laughs> not in Chicago. And it's, uh, you know, live in the city. The city is its own culture. To go, it's just, it's not the same thing. It's like people, like, you're from Chicago. I'm like, where are you from? They're like, Orland. I'm like, you ain't from Chicago, bro. You're from Orland. Yeah. And my friends, they have this long-standing joke. They bust my balls because I went to high school in the suburbs. But I grew up here. And I went to high school in the suburbs. And they were like, oh, fucking get bop from the suburbs. <laughs> and they love to bust my balls on that shit. He's like, you met, you met all your best friends in the suburbs. I'm like, I did. But it doesn't mean that, like, I when I lived there, as soon as I could get out of there, I did. I hated living there. I'm just not that guy. I don't live in the suburbs now. I pretty much my whole life have lived in a city. <laughs> and the whole thing about suburban life is just not my jam at all. All right, uh, I guess we'll get to the last round of questioning. This one I know you have very strong opinions on, since I follow you on Facebook and I'm friends with you on there. Sure. The White Sox. Die Hard. When did you become a fan of them? When I was eight. 
So I've been a White Sox fan for almost 30 years. I grew up in the neighborhood just south of the park. Like, I literally was seven blocks from where the White Sox played. Uh, what, what was the field called, then? Comiskey Park. Oh, okay. Because I know it was called, what, what, Guaranteed Rate Park now? It was Comiskey Park, then it was U.S. Cellular Field, and now it's Guaranteed Rate Field. Yeah. I did make a joke with an Uber driver over a year ago when I was here. I told him, like, yeah, you know, I was going to make some fun about that. But here in Michigan, um, we used to have Joe Louis Arena for the Red Wings. But now we have Little Caesars Arena with, like, the Little Caesars guy right on top of the building and that. So I, I, really, I really can't make fun. I hate corporate branding. It's so uh, lame. I know, jeez. It's, it's so lame. And, like, there's a, literally a big down red arrow on the building. It's just, it's the worst. And it takes away history. It depersonalizes, you know, the team and the fans and even the city is based on. To me, it'll always be Sox Park. <laughs> That's what anybody who's a true Sox fan will always call Comiskey or always call it Sox Park. Typically, always Sox Park. I'm supposed to be at a White Sox game right now, but it just didn't work out today. Yeah, I'm sorry, man, if uh, you felt like being on this podcast is more important than the White Sox game. No, I just get just, like, between these dudes here, like, they need to go have dinner with their mom. He has to go have dinner with his mom, and I need to see my mom and stuff. And I, I did it big last night. I was out till, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. So having to be out that late, I'm just, I don't have it in me to, like, pretend I'm a good fan today as much <laughs> as I really wanted to go. Well, here's your chance to be a good fan then because um, as much as you love the Sox, uh, you seem to hate the Cubs. Oh, I fucking hate them. Why do you hate the Cubs? Uh, I don't think that their fans are real fans. Uh, they're, it's When you go to a Sox game, everybody in that stadium is there because they love the White Sox. No one is a casual fan as, as a Sox fan. We live and die by that team. You go to Wrigley Field, 90% of the people in the stands are from, like, Iowa and shit that are there because they grew up at WGN, and they're, like, into it for, uh, they're like, oh, well, let's go see the Cubbies play Let's Play too and have some drinks. They don't give a shit if this is the Cubs win or lose. They're just there to have the experience and sit in Wrigley Field and the bleachers. That's all they're there for. 90% when the Cubs won, how many bandwagon fucking fans came on out of nowhere? Everyone was in a Cubs end. Get out of here. Like, well... Well, I'm a hockey guy, so I honestly don't have a stake in it. The Wings being one of my favorites. Chicago Blackhawks, of course, love them. Yeah. So, I saw them play the Flyers. They unfortunately lost. Blackhawks? Yep. Yeah, I've been to a couple of Blackhawks games. When I lived here, the Blackhawks weren't a thing, though. Oh, real? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always, Chicago's always been a hockey town, but they weren't on TV. They weren't on the, they weren't on, weren't on the radio. The only people, the only way you could hear a Blackhawks game is you kind of had to stumble into it. Because when Bill oh. Wirtz was alive, they didn't put any money into him. And then when he died, his kid got it. And then they got really good because he put money into the team. And so when he put money in the team, that's when they won all those championships. And I was already gone. So for like me to get into hockey was like just not a thing. So I'm just baseball and football. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, of course, partially into the Blackhawks because... Of course, I love Chicago, and I love all things about it. Who would you pick, White Sox or Cubs, then? I honestly, that's the thing, I didn't even know, well, I didn't even know, like, uh, at least the other question, uh, when the Cubs won the World Series, were you happy or not? Fuck no. Fuck no. I wore my White Sox shit, and I cheered for the Indians. <laughs> 
fuck no was I going to cheer for the Cubs. Hell no. That's the thing. Um, I, I didn't even know what was going on since I'm not a big baseball Oh, my fan. God. All I wanted them to do was lose. 100% all I wanted them to do was lose. Like, to watch them win the World Series, I wanted to throw up. I hate the Cubs so much. Uh, like, an like, unbelievable amount of hatred for them. I mean, it was ecstatic. Even in Grand Rapids, where I'm from, people were celebrating it. Like, they had Cubs signs and... The W, which stands for Rickman, right? No, it's win. Oh, oh, really? Oh, they, really? Have a, they have a, on their scoreboard when they win, they pull up the thing and it's the white flag with the W for win. And they have a blue flag with the white uh, for loss. And Sox what? fans buy the what? loss flag. Wait. What? That's kind of dumb. Fly the W, that's what they say. Uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> All right, then. I thought it just meant Wrigley Field, but whatever. No, it means fly the W. All right. Okay, so obviously besides the Sox, uh, what other sports teams are you into here in Chicago? Uh, I'm a Bears fan, but I'm a bigger Saints fan now that I'm a Bears fan. I still love the Bears. I have to justify to this to my friends all the time. I still love the Bears. I want the Bears to win. The Bears. I am just a bigger Saints fan than I am a Bears fan. Yeah, I kind I, it hasn't been that bad for me, but I have gotten some glares for saying that I'm a Blackhawks fan. You know, all these diehard Red Wings fans. Like, no, no, it's cool. I like the Red Wings, too. Yeah, I mean... Plus, I'm a casual sports fan. Sports is sports is, like, is the most extreme of tribalism. Oh, yeah. Like, you want your team to win, and if you're not on my team, you are my a social enemy for these this thing. I mean, we relegate ourselves to how we take sports fandom, but... It's our tribe. It's our mile marker of what we both agree on. Like, I've literally seen people almost get into fistfights and stop because they're on both White Sox fans. Oh, nice. And like, oh, man, that's cool. Well, we're both Sox fans. Yeah, you're right. And well, like, well, in Michigan, uh, we have uh, Michigan State in East Lansing, Michigan. Yeah. Always, whenever there's a game, win or lose, there's always a riot of some kind. Mostly, like, your couch burnings and all that shit. Yeah. Someone flips a really small car over. <laughs> Uh, got hit with after eating and then uh, not getting much sleep. I was up at 10 o'clock after going to bed at like 6. Well, well I guess uh, it's a good thing we're nearing the end of this episode. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, uh, I'm going to go. My mom's like, yeah, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm here to hang out. <sighs> I'm going to sleep on her couch. Yeah. So this, this weekend, uh, you're leaving on Monday, right? Yeah. So I guess you talked about your history in Chicago, you talk about how it's changed and that, but from this very weekend, what has your impressions been so far? It's been good to be home. I mean, I'm always happy to get um, get the food, get to see people, drink some uh, old styles. I didn't have anybody trying to shove my lord down my throat. This shit is disgusting. Um, no, it was great, and like just seeing people and going to be back. I mean, I always love coming home. I'm proud to be from here, and I like getting right back in the mix. So yesterday I was on the L, and it just I get right back into my old habits as soon as I'm here. So to be a part of it again, it's cool. I mean, I'm going to be in sheer terror because I hate flying. But tomorrow when I'm on my plane, I'm going to be like white-knuckling it drunk, but <laughs> I can't help it. I hate flying. And uh, I'm already like thinking about it today. I woke up and I was like, fuck, I have to fly. And, 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 oh, shit, I got to be on that one podcast. Fuck. No, they, I love doing these. Um, but, no, it's, it was great to be home, and I got a beef sandwich, which was always amazing. 
I love Italian beef. Now I got one last thing I got to do before I leave, and I got to go hit Subsidy by my mom's house. Well, well, sir, you can go do that. Because, uh, yep, I'm glad. As always, I'm glad to stay overnight or visit Chicago. I had fun last night, and I'm glad to have met you, Robert. Dean. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yep. A pleasure to hang out, and thank you for the cheeseburger. Yep, no problem, man. Uh, all right, so anything you would like to promote? Any upcoming books? Any readings? Uh, I'm trying to think what I got anything coming up. I don't have any readings coming up, but you can always find me on uh, Instagram, at Robert Dean with two N's, uh, at Robert Dean on um, Twitter, and then on Facebook I have a page, Robert Dean. You can find me on there. And lots of people talking. It's a very, like strong community of people that yeah, you, you do, come at. You do have a pretty good uh, stream of original content and memes. Yeah, I try to keep people talking and thinking and engaged because when you do content marketing you just gotta keep generating things that people let you keep that you're in, you know, they wanna give a shit about you. People want to give a shit about things. You have to do the work to make them care. And so I just try to engage with people and I'm like, look, if you wanna get together, I'll always get together. And I always try to, like, make time to do stuff. And um, in terms of things coming out, I'm really... I got a big piece about Leonard Peltier, Political Prisoner, that I'm trying to sell right now. That's, like, 6,000 words, so it's a feature. So um, I just pitched it to Playboy. I don't know if they're going to take it. Nice. But... Um, well, there's always hustle. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm trying to, like, place that one. And um, I've got some new stuff probably for Fatherly soon. Um, I am also about to start writing for Consequence Sound, so they'll be able to find me there. Very nice. Yeah, that's that one is as of this week. Um, Farce the music always, and hopefully my book A Hard Roll will see the light of day sometime soon. I think I'm getting close to getting an agent, so. All right, very nice, and best of luck. So, Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you for being on. Robert Dean, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, once again, you can download and listen to episodes on the Internet Archive. You can stream them on YouTube. And forget Podbean and some of the other places I mentioned. I would have to pay to put episodes on there, so I'm still finding free shit to... free services to put this show on. All right, everyone. Uh, have a good day. Uh, thanks for listening. And here's the outro song.